Thanks for tuning in and making Res Life a part of your day. Whether this is your first time listening or this is a part of your weekly rhythm, we are glad you're here. If you'd like to connect more throughout the week, check us out at reslife.org, download our app, or follow us on social media. It's time for today's message, so let's dive in. My name's Tim Gilly. I'm one of the pastors on staff here, and I get the opportunity to MC our question and answer panel this evening. And uh, one thing I have realized, I've been married for almost 13 years, is, come on, marriage is awesome, right? I love how God said of Adam, like, uh, you know, it's not good to be alone. And then Adam was like, whoa, whoa, man. I like that, Pastor Dwayne. <laughs> Pastor Dwayne says that, whoa, man, when he, you know, Eve came walking out. But uh, one thing I've learned over the years with marriage is it is incredible to have opportunities to ask questions to people that have been doing marriage maybe a little bit longer than you have or maybe have a little bit different understanding. And don't don't take for granted the fact that you get to sit here and ask questions. So throughout, throughout tonight or maybe this evening or on Monday, you might have a question or Tuesday, you might have a question that pops up and we want to let you know that you can Send your questions anytime in the middle of tonight, Tuesday at three o'clock in the morning. You could text us your questions because we want to not only just talk about marriage, but we also want to take opportunities to talk about the questions that you have regarding marriage or maybe you're engaged or you're about to get engaged, you're dating. So any questions on the spectrums of relationship and marriage. We want to answer those questions. So the, so the thought is, how do we do that? So we have a text-in number, it's 94,000, and you text RESLIFE, that's R-E-S-L-I-F-E, to 94,000, and uh, there'll be a drop-down menu, and then you can send your questions in that way. So I'm not gonna take up too much more time. We've got some awesome people behind us. We've got Pastor Jake and Abby on the end. Come on. We've got Pastor David and Jessica in the middle. Come on. And then right here closest, we have Pastor Daniel and Amanda. And they're going to be a- they're going to be answering the questions that you guys have sent in. We're going to dive into a couple of them and see kind of how far we can get this this evening. Again, if you have questions, just let us know and we'll tackle those as quick as we can. So, um this is, this is a good question, so I'm just going to go ahead, and I'm, I'm kind of a person that just loves to call on people, so I might call on you, or I might just open it up and see if someone's got some, a specific word of wisdom on each question. So you guys ready? Here we go. All right, the first question is, does marriage last through eternity? Does marriage last through eternity? After we die, will we still be married? This is an interesting question I think a lot of us have. So the Let's just dive in and, uh, and see what we got to say. So why don't we start off right here with Pastor Daniel, because I think this is a great question for you to tackle. It's unfortunate. <laughs> so the, we look at these, and any of the questions, we'll let you know going, our goal isn't to just give you, here's my random opinion on things, but as much as we can go, here's what God's word says. Yeah. And in Matthew 22, the, the bunch of the Sadducees, tried to trap Jesus with a trick question story about this lady who kept getting married and then her husbands kept dying. (laughs) And they're like, she had all these husbands and then who's going to be her husband in heaven? And he just looks and goes, 
you're wrong because you don't know what you're talking about. You don't know the scriptures, the power of God. For in the resurrection, neither will they marry, nor are they given in marriage, but they are like the angels of heaven. Um, And I read that and go, what exactly does that mean? I am not sure. (laughs) Um, uh, But it does not, it looks like it'll be, it will be different than the way that it is here and now. If there's a choice, I pick you again. Good. (laughs) (laughs) Woo. I think my only comment on that is in the temporal, we might say and look like, oh, that's so sad. Heaven is going to be way better than you ever could think, like you think or imagine. Like we pay so much attention and and obviously I love my wife and it it is a sense of mystery. And so there is a chance. What what does your dad say? He says, I hope so or something like that. Yeah. yeah. Um, But ultimately heaven is going to be so much more beautiful and enjoyable and joyful than just the broken relationship, not broken, but broken sinful humanity that we live in here, even though we enjoy it so much. Yeah, come on, come on. So I think the general consensus is we don't really know. I think all of us probably have different thoughts and hopes and desires. Uh, I personally would be like, yeah, I hope it lasts into eternity. Uh, But we don't really have a ton of answer on that. So we'll kind of leave it at that. If you have more questions or if that spins another question in, shoot it our way and we'll see if we can tackle it sometime. So... We'll just go on to the next one unless someone has any final comments. Okay. All right. So um, I I really think this is a a powerful question. So the question is, uh, number two is, how do we listen and move forward through harsh communication? So how do we listen and move forward through harsh communication? Let me give a little bit of a context that was with this question just so we can kind of uh, hear, hear hear the full extent of it. It says, I want to listen to my wife's concern, but when she's so critical of me in most everything I do, it's very hard for me to want to listen to her. So the question is, how do we listen and move forward through harsh communication? Is Abby going to tear it up while you're looking? Yeah. Abby, why don't you go ahead? And... I did a little bit of preparing ahead of time. So there were a couple of verses that came to mind um, when I looked at this question. The first one was Proverbs 15, verse 1. Really simple. It just a gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. And so I Come think uh, when it comes to a marriage relationship, that's also the case. So even though we are all married to broken people, um, responding gently and sweetly yeah. and kindly in my in my opinion does go a really long way um so i would just encourage a gentle response to somebody who is or to a spouse who is not being so gentle and then the other verse that came to mind which does relate i would say is proverbs 27 verses 15 and 16 which Let me explain, but it's a quarrelsome wife is like the dripping of a leaky roof in a rainstorm. Restraining her is like restraining the wind or or grasping oil with the hand. So in this question, that's a little bit what it sounds like the spouse is acting like. And so it is, the scripture does say it's a very difficult thing and it's a very difficult wife in this situation to be living with. And so I guess I would just say... um, to pray for your spouse and just pray that God would meet them where they are and 
they're probably hurting and they just really need the Lord. Um, just remembering that marriage is holy work and what we do in our homes, it is holy and your spouse is loved by God. And so when you're interacting with them, remembering yeah. that um, that is God's child and knowing that God is in the room and how would you respond if you knew that he was right there and just... Um, Romans 9 or Romans 12, 9 through 10, it says, Let love be without dissimulation, abhor which is evil, cleave to what is good, be kindly affectioned one to another with brotherly love and honor, preferring one another. And um, just going the extra mile to love your spouse yeah. and being tender hearted to your spouse. And hmm. like when you're interacting with them, yeah. Remembering that, um, am I being tenderhearted? Am I reflecting God's grace? And regardless of what David does, knowing that I'm accountable for myself and yeah. am I uh, acting in a way that's giving grace and am I doing what I know mm -hmm. to be right, regardless of what they do, what has God asked of me? Can I model that and remembering uh, never underestimating the power of a seed um wow. and that um it says that isaac sowed in the year of famine and in that same year he reaped a hundredfold knowing that our words are powerful and when we sow words into um we're speaking life um or we're speaking death and knowing that um a word spoken uh with in faith can go far yeah and yeah. so remembering that yeah it's really good one of the things too is if you're both christians sometimes yeah. we grow up in a way that makes us think our way is right you know proverbs says there's a way that seems right to a man but in the end it leads to death and mm -hmm. a good friend a good spouse will let you know if there's a booger hanging out of your nose <laughs> but they'll also let you know when your life isn't lining up with the word and if you can do that, not when they're heated or upset and being critical, but sharing those same verses when there is a quiet moment and shared in love, say, hey, honey, the other day when we were talking, you spoke to me like this. Yeah. This is what the word says on how we should talk. I really want our communication style to change to match the word of God. Sometimes we have to call each other up and remind each other too that we are children of God, it's okay to make mistakes and to mess up as long as it leads towards growth and that teachable spirit. Yeah, yeah. It's really good. And uh, there, there's two sides to this that I wanted to mention. As you look in Ephesians chapter five, it lays out instructions for marriage. And it says to the wife to <clears throat> submit to her husband as to the Lord. And then it goes through and says to the husband to lay his life down for his wife as Christ laid his life down for the church, hmm. neither of the directions to us were contingent on the other person's perfection. Yeah. And so if your spouse is bringing things up in a way that is less than ideal, they are missing it. But that doesn't mean that you should too. Yeah. Yeah. So first start by doing your part even when they didn't say it well. And I loved your point yeah. of when the heat has settled, then bringing up, oh, hey, yeah. 
this communication was really rough. And sometimes it's obvious. You're like, okay, you were screaming at the top of your lungs. That was not a good way to communicate. But there are other times, and Pastor and Dwayne and Jeannie, they covered some of it this morning as they were talking about honor and its important role. And they, they, they talked about when she just didn't understand that the little boys were miniature men who needed honor. But it is not uncommon for a guy to be harsh and not realize it or for a woman to be critical and not realize it. In our marriage, we went through a section where she was very harsh. Um, somewhere between both harsh and tried to like mom me and totally was unaware. <laughs> and so yeah. something would happen and I would go to do something and, and then her response, I just look at her and I'm like, what are you doing? Like, yeah. that was so rude. Well, what do you mean it's so rude? Yeah. Like, well, um, started to try to explain it to her and she's like, I don't get it. You did something wrong. What do you think I was going to do? And you're like, am I not allowed to, to point it out? I'm like, no, you are allowed to point it out. I want to learn and grow, but the manner in which you're doing it. Yeah. And we went around the circle and I feel like every argument that we've ever had centers around the kitchen. But um, so we're like just around and around the kitchen until finally she made a comment about I think she wanted to spank me or something. Not, not in a, uh, um, not, not, <laughs> not, not in a, uh, a fun way. Um, but in a, and I go, I go, that's, that's it. Do you, do you hear that? You're wanting to correct me yeah. like a child. Yeah. Yeah. I am your husband, not your child. And when you speak to me that way, it's dishonoring and makes me want to pull away altogether and leave this area of our marriage, not address that issue. When it becomes a place of dishonor, a lot of people, instead of talking through it, leave a spot that they won't go. And it might be we won't cook together. It might mean I won't touch the dishes again because last time I tried, rather than being appreciative of the dishes that I did, she picked apart that there was some spot that I missed on the dish. Yeah. And she made me feel like a little kid and I don't want to feel like a little kid so I'll just never touch the dishes again. And in their marriage, they end up with dozens of spots where they can't even walk. And now in their marriage, they're walking on eggshells because their marriage is a walking minefield. But when we, when we navigated this and finally she was like, oh, it's not that we can't bring up stuff and that you can't. But my, my point was, she had great intentions and was horribly off. Yeah, yeah. And it took work and took conversation and it took loving persistence to be able to yeah. navigate it so that that's not the continual story in our marriage. Come on. And so it was something we were able to correct. Wow. And as the person who was doing wrong, let me tell you, it's no fun to argue with somebody who's being sweet to you. <laughs> You know, like I did have that bad attitude and I did have those poor choice of words. He didn't raise his voice ever. He did not get mad. He did not freak out. He stayed calm and he reminded me and he just kept explaining it again and again until I understood. But he was also bringing in the word. He's also bringing in how he felt. And he reminded me of who I am in Christ, which reminded me of regardless of how right I feel in the moment, I care more about what God says than anything else. So when my attitude and my behavior isn't lining up with that, Hmm. I will change. 
And that helped it to not feel dishonoring towards me for being making the mistake. Yeah. Like he didn't yeah. make me feel stupid or like, oh my gosh, I can't believe you did that. But it was very much like I he very much made me feel like I love you enough to let you know that this can't happen and that we need to be more united in our relationship. And it was one of those things where it was a tough learning experience, <laughs> but our marriage is awesome. We yeah. like each other. It's 13 years and I like him more today and every day. I like him a little bit more, you know? So it's one Come of those on. things where if you have someone who's treating you poorly, you can still do it in a way that reflects Christ. Yeah, yeah. Can I, can I just offer um, a resource? So um, Keep Your Love On is a book by Danny yeah. Silk. Raise yeah. your hand, wave at me if you've ever heard of it. Oh, not, oh my gosh, okay. <laughs> okay, Keep Your Love On has done more for our marriage than any other yeah. resource. Obviously, the Bible, more than Keep Your Love On. But <laughs> Keep Your Love On, here's what I've discovered. People know how to talk. People don't know how to communicate. And we've been tutored by the wrong tutor. We've been taught by the wrong teacher. We've been taught by our parents who fought and had arguments. And we just assimilate to the environment that we're in. Yeah. And we have actually never been taught how to treat our spouse like Jesus would treat them. Yeah. We react, we respond in ways that seem normal to us. We manipulate to get our way and we think it's okay because we love each other and we have makeup sex, you know, and, and we do all these things, but it's like in reality, you and I, myself especially, need to relearn how to communicate yeah. and keep your love on by Danny Silk will offer you a framework to build trust again. And this applies if you're married, if you're single, if you're divorced, this book is literally for everyone and for all relationships, but can apply to marriage especially. Come on, come on. So I, I feel like for this specific question, there might be some people that can relate to this of the longevity of kind of feeling like they're in the trench. And it's one thing to say like, okay, um, it's been this way for three months but what if it's been this way for 15 years? Like, how do you go to, how do you find encouragement for, for those that maybe feel like they've kind of been in it for a long time? Like, what do you do for encouraging yourself? How do you keep to where you can take that next step? I think the first key that I would say is do not put the responsibility on yourself. You walk in forgiveness, you know. The next thing I would say is seek counseling. If you can't get yeah. through to somebody, go to a professional and yeah. sit across and have conversations with that. Yeah. The other thing I would say, we have a pastoral care team here, yeah. and I think most ministries should have that, where couples can come in and have conversations. And I think if we can't create an environment, if you can't do it at home, go to an office. If you can do it at an office, uh, find a place because, um, you see this happening all over the Bible where God tells Adam and Eve, this is the tree of, of good and evil. And when the devil comes, it becomes a tree that's good and pleasant. So the, the yeah. evil kind of disappeared and it became good and pleasant. And that's what I think happens to most marriages yeah. is it's, it's really good. And then whatever bad that the enemy brings in comes in as though it's pleasant. That's like good. we hurt each other not intentionally doing present that we're trying to hurt each other, but it's because we don't know how we're communicating, we're really hurting each other in the, in the long run. And, and I think a lot of people have so much grace 
which is another wrong way to interpret the grace where you just take on another person's abuse for life. That's no, to me, I don't think that's grace. I think grace should allow you to also confront if there is a, if you feel like accusations or kind of things that you should not take on in a healthy way. That's why I recommend counseling. One of the really important marriage principles is not assuming, or a marriage principle is assume the best of your spouse. This is part of what love does as of 1 Corinthians chapter 13. But that means not assuming villainous intent. And a lot of times people, and I've watched people in a, have an area of unhealth in their marriage for decades, assuming, but just not speaking, not saying, hey, this is a problem. Hey, this is hurtful. Hey, the way that you address this was belittling or was unloving or, um, but when they just assume they should know, then you're assuming that they know and are maliciously doing it. And a lot of times it's been hopeless because they haven't communicated well or they've dropped hints hoping that someone would get a hint. Yeah, yeah. Hints are like step one in miscommunication. <laughs> it's like, I dropped a hint, so I assumed that they would know. So yeah. I like, number one is drop a hint, number two is assume, and here you have miscommunication. But, and, and so often that's where it gets. So then when you go, okay, first I'm going to have a conversation and then they look at you like, you're crazy then it's a great time to get a third party yeah. involved and commit. If your spouse says, we need to see somebody, then it doesn't matter if you think you need to see somebody, you need to see somebody. Yeah. Yeah. And then when you go, if you don't like them, it's probably because you have an issue. Yeah. Unless they're telling you to sin. Like if they're telling yeah. you to sin, yeah. bad advice. But Come on. But if they're sitting here and they're telling you something that's hard or telling you that you're being selfish or telling you that you're a, it's probably what you've needed to hear. Yeah. And, and that's when you go, and I, I've talked to too many people where they're like, we went to counseling and they said something we didn't like, so we stopped going. Like I didn't, they didn't use the word, they didn't say, they say, I didn't like them. Why didn't you like them? Because they <laughs> didn't like what they had to say. Because <laughs> they need help and that's why they were supposed to be there. But anyways, yeah. Yeah. if you go, recognize, hey, this is my opportunity to grow. Yeah, yeah. Also, just to add one more thing, if you're going through something like that, uh, what's his name? Uh, Les Prop? Les Parrot. Uh, in his marriage class, teaches this thing where, start small, maybe share three things that were amazing about your spouse that yeah. week on your pillow talk. Just start there. And, and if those three things are all negative that whole week, you just know things are not great. The temperature in the room is not good. Yeah. And so, and, and if you do that often and you begin to change at least or adjust your way, your life in three areas a month, I mean, you just begin to kind of eat at a big mountain, but with smaller pieces at a time. Yeah. But also saying, yes, she mentioned saying the positive as well. So you're not just speaking at the negative things of your spouse, you're just saying, you know, today you did, this was so awesome. I, I needed gas in my car, but you just left me, 
you know, with the tank on empty, that really felt this way. So because like we share one car, I know not to leave the car on E, especially <laughs> if it's going to go somewhere. Because it's one of those aspects that helps to know, you know what, he thought about what I was going to do, and he, he made sure that my destination was in mind. So it's just simple things like that, because the Bible says in Songs of Songs, little foxes spoil the vine. So it's, it really starts there. And, and the most um, challenging things, we want to start with the huge thing to, to try to overcome the challenge, but really we gotta start small again, chip it away, just like a debt. <laughs> you know, you pay off, pay off small, and yeah. then you end up paying it all off. Come on, come on, that's awesome. Um, I think having someone to go to in those moments is huge. Like have a friend that you can confide in that's in a healthy place, have professional you can go to, like have someone. I think that's one of the most important things. So, okay, so let's flip, let's flip to the next one. So the next question, this is uh, a little bit maybe, maybe simpler. I don't know, maybe not. Uh, how long should I date before getting married? How long should I date before getting married? <laughs> I don't really think there's like a time frame but the advice that my dad gave me when David and I were <laughs> meeting or being very intentional, um, he said, make sure that you heard from the Lord that that is your husband so that when you no longer, once you're married, when you no longer feel like you love him, and that's how he said it, uh, that you know that you're walking in obedience. It's no wow. longer about your feelings. So good. Feelings don't count. I mean, you're walking in devotion to God. This yeah. is what God said. I'm walking in the revelation that God's given me. And so yeah. if you know like your purpose, um, how can two walk together unless be, they be in agreement? Amos 3.3. 3. Um, you got to know, are you guys going in the same direction? What is your purpose? What has God called you to? If Dating is really a big interview, and some people squander the interview. They're not asking those important questions in that interview, and they end up asking those after they're married. Hmm. Um, and you need to be very intentional yeah. asking uh, those big questions. What is your purpose? What are you called? What do you, where do you see yourself? Um, how has God wired you? Like, and so you know if that person works are we going to be good in partnership together to expand the kingdom of God? If not, don't waste that time in that interview session. Yeah. Um, yeah. Use that time wisely and ask those good questions beforehand. Yep. So, and once you got those questions answered, I mean, Dave and I, we had a short time frame, but it really is, um, are your family in board? Because you don't just marry the person, you marry the family as oh, well. Um, and so really taking that time to ask those important questions, getting to know their families and um, things like that. I think something that was really helpful is being friends. I feel like dating can put a lot of pressure to put your best foot forward and not necessarily your real foot. <laughs> so I dated more than I should have before Daniel and I can't be friends with any of those people because it's weird. And <laughs> if I had just been friends with them, I would have found out much sooner yeah. that we weren't a good fit. Yeah. And I feel like 
like Daniel and I were friends for a long time. We didn't date for long and we weren't engaged for long, but we were friends for three years. And we had the opportunity to see each other in a lot of different situations and to become friends with each other's friends and to see how he handled situations with kids and how did he act when someone was mean to him? Yeah. How did he act when he lost a game? He doesn't like to lose. <laughs> how does he act in so many different situations that then I could see, like, oh, okay, even through all of these things, I still really like you. You still really love Jesus in all these yeah. situations. So I find dating to be less helpful than just being friends for a while first. I think a lot of people struggle in dating because they don't know why they're dating. And they're dating because it feels good. And then they're going, do I feel good enough to get married? And the whole thing is feeling-based and so they date for a insanely long time with great uncertainty to the point that they end up slowly progressing physically or quickly progressing physically until they've crossed boundaries that the Bible lays out and set their marriage up with distrust. Yeah. And here is the simple solution. When you date, do it on purpose so good. and know why you're dating. Yeah. So if, if the goal is hey, I want to get to know them further and I want to pursue marriage. What do you need to figure out before you get married? Make a list. And it can be simple things like, you know, how do they interact with kids? How do they handle money? How do they handle anger? Do they pursue God on their own? And you make your list. We dated for a whopping three weeks. Now, it, in fairness, it wasn't, hello, you're beautiful, can we date? Like, we, we had some context, <laughs> but I had a list yeah. of 26 different things that I was looking to find. Before we even started dating, I had 25 of them checked off. I knew how she handled money. I knew how she handled conflict. I knew how she handled stress. I knew that she put God first. I knew, but... When you have a intentional, this is what I'm trying to figure out while we're dating. Hey, I am looking for an opportunity to see how they interact with their family, how they interact with the people that they're most comfortable with. I want to see how they talk about people behind their back. I want to see when, when you know, these are the things I'm looking for, then you can look and go, Oh, Hey, I have now found answers to these. But if you don't know what you're looking for, you're just going, how do I feel today? Do I feel like yeah. forever? Yeah. Will I feel like forever tomorrow? And that leaves so much uncertainty. So yeah. I, I'm going to agree with Jessica. Lots of prayer. And then know why you're dating so that you can know when you have it figured out. Yeah. And don't date so long that you cross lines that s- begin to destroy your marriage before it starts. Yeah. I'm going to real quick throw it over to Jake. Pastor Jake in a second, but the ne- one of the other questions that came in is how do we know the person's right, the right one? So I think we're kind of getting into that. So I just want to let you guys know that there's another thing that we're talking about in this same conversation of how do you know that the person's right? So Pastor Jake, what would you like to... I'm going to be the homework guy tonight and give you another book to read. <laughs> if you are single, this is great. If you're young, if you're divorced, no matter what situation of life you're in. It's called true love dates. If you're a parent and you want to start talking to your maybe college kid about dating and you want them to think, my 
Christmas present? I don't know. I don't know how they would feel about that. But yeah. True Love Dates by Deborah Folletta is a phenomenal yeah. book that, that provides tremendous biblical wisdom on the dating landscape. Because much like communication, dating, we've gone to the wrong tutors. <laughs> yeah. We've gone to so uh, Hollywood. We've gone to now dating apps. There's so much... There's so many misconceptions and so many bad, so yeah. many bad thoughts and practices in the realm of dating that we truly, as Christians, need to rethink dating. We need to start yeah. over. Yeah. And True Love Dates is a phenomenal, phenomenal resource. And if you're a podcaster and you're single and you want to listen to a podcast, a podcast would be one second, sorry, the heart of dating. The heart of dating. Say it one more time. The heart of yeah. dating yeah. by Kate Warman. Come on. I'm the homework guy tonight. That was good. That was good. Um, one thing I like to think about is I, like sometimes if you're in a dating or an engagement phase and trying to remember all this stuff, like resources are great. I just remember faith, family, finances, and friends. Be in unity in faith, be in unity in family, how you view finances, and how you handle your friendships. And that's just a great place to start past that. If you want more resources, we've got tons of resources that we would love to give you. Just reach out to us and we'll let you know. Um, I wanna dive into this next one, talking about like bank accounts, since we did mention finances. I I think this is a very important question that we can have uh, some great conversation uh, for today. But should married couples have joint or separate bank accounts. And I want to add like another little nugget on that. So should married couples have joint or separate bank accounts? And then when should they make that transition in the dating, engaged, married spectrum? Yes, joint. I know Pastor Dwayne has one exception and it has to do with a second marriage and kids and inheritance. And I don't know, it's... it's, I know it's in my brain somewhere, but I can't <laughs> articulate it. So maybe Daniel, you would have the answer to that. I, I would. I'm, I'm still new at this, so I'll say what, whatever gives you peace. If if I say this because I know people that have had very strong marriages and have had personal investments as the way they do their taxes, and it makes more sense homesteads and how they own things and 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 they've been great role models to us and and they've been super successful and they have a peace of mind about this. So I really don't know anything about it myself, but I've I've seen an example work. (laughs) We have a joint account though. (laughs) (laughs) We work well, very well together. She's actually the, she's the money lady, I'm the spender. So (laughs) (laughs) if you need a blessing, I got you. She puts you in place. (laughs) Genesis chapter two, Verse 24, God is laying out instructions for marriage that don't even make sense yet. Adam and Eve don't have parents. And for this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother that you don't have um, and hold fast to his wife and the two shall become one flesh. And he's laying out a principle that of, of priority and of this, you're going to disconnect and you're going to join as one. So, when you are not married, you are not married. So you, said, you asked when. Yeah. If you haven't gotten married yet, you are not married. Yeah. So yeah. I would wait until after you are married. But I have sat with couples and said, all right, it says that when we get married, we become one. Yeah. If you don't trust them 
to become one with them in finances, that's fine. Don't get married. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I've sat with couples and they're like, but I really like my vacations and I like the way that I spend it and I like this. And I said, that's great. Then you don't have to get married. If these other things are more important than this person, that's okay. Glad so you good. figured it out before the wedding. Yeah, yeah. Um, because he's putting this law, this, this law of priority, and then if you take something and go, hey, we're getting married, but I'm going to hold back this area of my life from you, yeah. what, then, then how are you one? You're like one and a half. And yeah, like, yeah. Yeah, you're, you're, we're joining except for in these three areas where I'm going to stay selfish. That doesn't work. Yeah. Now, if you want and you're like, hey, we have separate accounts because this thing pays for this, this thing pays for this. That's cool. When we got married, we were saving for a house and they gave better interest if up to a certain point on our checking account. And so we're like, here, great. We'll have two checking accounts. We'll have one that's Daniel and Amanda and one that's Amanda and Daniel. Like, yeah. Yeah. we're going to no, play the system. True. But the, true. the principle Come on. is that when we become one, I shouldn't yeah. be putting something that is a point of division or contention or something that rivals my spouse. Yeah. yeah. And if there's something yeah. that I am unwilling to lay down for my spouse, that's not good. Yeah, yeah. I think, I think it comes down to the heartbeat behind it. If, if, you're, if, if the heartbeat is you're in unity in this and you're, you're, you have equal access to it, then you can. But as soon as it's out of a selfishness mindset, because one thing I know, and I can say over and over again, is selfishness in any area is never gonna build unity in your marriage. So you gotta, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta run from selfishness. I often say you find out how, when you get married, you find out how selfish you are. And then when you get, have kids, you find out how selfish you still are, you know? <laughs> So, so, okay, a follow-up question, because we ask, when should you make the transition from single accounts, I'll just say that, like separate single accounts, to joint accounts and joint handling of finances? You mentioned when you're married. But what if someone is like, well, we're trying to buy a house, and we're getting married in, in a month and a half. Like, how would you, how would you answer that? Amanda's over here going, don't do it. Um, <laughs> I, am, I am of the strong persuasion that you are not married until you are married. Yeah. Um, and when, um, when you get into some of that beforehand, yeah. you go, is it worth the risk? Because we aren't married yet. What if before the wedding comes up and you're like, hey, I don't think so. I am like... I'm very big on commitment. And once we say I do, as long as I'm breathing, we're together. She can't yeah. escape. Um, yeah. and, uh, but like beforehand, there's the opportunity of going, hey, this was the plan, but hey, I figured something out and you need to run, run. I've talked to people and like, why are you engaged? You don't like them. Yeah. If you don't like them, don't marry them. It's one of the prereqs. How do you know it's, they're the right one? If you don't like them, they're not the right one. Um, but yeah. So yeah, I just am very big on, I would wait till you're married. If you're like, hey, I really want to buy this, this house together. Um, and the bank will look and go, okay, are you sure you want to do that? And they may make you sign papers of like, all right, here, you're, yeah. you're gifting this money to them and they yeah. don't have to pay it back because yeah. they're 
lone things are fun. But um, you have to recognize going, am I willing to part with that house, that money, if something was to change between now yeah. and the wedding? Yeah, yeah. I've seen, I've seen couples have to walk, or now individuals, because they're not couples, have to walk through that. Like we have a house together it didn't work out like we expected to. We're now separating and now they're handling this. And it's, there's a lot of risk there. And it's just, it's a lot of murky water to walk through. So I'd say be cautious, careful, and err on the side of caution. So. Uh, I want to connect something to that. I think culture does play a lot of role in this. If you look at the Jewish culture, it was the man's responsibility to go build the house. Come on before he even found the wife. It showed that he was ready. It showed that he was willing to sacrifice. It showed that he was willing to give into this. I know in the Western culture, it's slightly different. It's like we come in 50-50 and uh, there's nothing going on. So my share, your share. But I think in in the rest of the world culture, it was the role of the man to have the house ready, have properties ready. Then when you're married into somebody's house, like if I went to get Jessica from the family, they would make sure I have what it takes to take care of her. They wouldn't just be like, you guys go combine your social security scores and see who's going to buy the car, who's going to... It wasn't like that at all. And also in the Jewish culture, it is like that. Like literally, before you marry somebody's daughter, they had to make sure at least you had a roof over your head, you had a business to take care of them, or some form of income source. So it it laid a bed for husbands being like Christ. It's laid a bed for, you know, women being submissive and being able to work together, but in, on the bed of sacrifice. Yeah. So that's Come what I just I wanted to add there. I know it's a cultural difference, but it, yeah. for us, it was huge. Yeah. Yeah. It's good. And at marriage, relationships, they work best when you do them God's way. And at any point when we go into them going, it's my way or the highway, we end up with a rough relationship. Um, selfishness just does not do well no. in relationship. The closer the relationship, point, yeah. the more damage that selfishness does. But when we look and we go, okay, a healthy relationship, a healthy life is grounded on God being number one. Yeah. It, it's grounded on going, God, our foundation is you. There's no other foundation that can be laid. Paul says, he goes, it's got to be God yeah. first. And we've got a plethora of questions, but the time keeps going, so we'll have to save some for next week. And I felt my watch going, and some of them were coming in um, during. But, but I want to ask you going, do you have a foundation yeah. on Christ? Yeah. Not do you know who he is. Not do you believe yeah. in the existence of God. But have you made him the Lord of your life? Are you living for him? Because that's where the rubber meets the road. And if you look and you go, you know what? I may know a lot about God, but he has not been the boss in my life. He's not been the foundation. He's not been what guides me and directs me. I want a relationship with him. I want forgiveness. I want to know that I'm right with God on my way to heaven. Then I want to give you an opportunity right now. Can everyone bow their heads and close their eyes? Whether you're in here, whether you're watching online, today you can choose to make God the Lord of your life. You can receive all that he has for you and have your life built on him. If you wanna do that tonight, when I sit through, I'm gonna ask you to raise your hand or go ahead and type in, that's me on the chat. One, two, 
Three, go ahead and say, that's me. I want a, I want a life founded on God. Awesome. See that hand, who else is that? that that's me. All right, another two over here. Who else says, that's, that's me. I want to make Jesus the Lord of my life. I want to know that I'm right with God. I want my life built on him. Awesome. All right, you can put your hands down and we're going to say a simple prayer. The Bible says that whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So we're going to call on his name. So go ahead and repeat it for me. Say, God, thank you for loving me even when I make mistakes. I'm sorry for my sins. I believe that you died and rose again, that your blood washed my sins away. I choose to live for you from this day forward. I declare that you are my Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. We hope you've been encouraged by this message. For more information, if you're in need of prayer or just want to connect with the community, go to reslife.org, follow us on social media, or email us anytime at reslife at reslife.org. We hope you have a blessed day, and we will see you again soon.